Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the VRO. Tonight's interview will be done by me, Jess, and my daughter, Brannon. Tonight, I'm happy to say we'll be interviewing the awesome Ian Summerholder. Ian not only plays the badass Damon Salvatore in the Vampire Diaries, but he is also the founder of something that is very near and dear to mine and Brannon's heart. Honestly, I'm so very proud to say that I'm part of an awesome charity, and not only do I have Ian to thank for that, but Ian is going to take his time tonight to tell us all about it and to tell us what you can do to get involved as well. Hi, Ian. Thanks for joining us and talking about the Ian Summerhelder Foundation. How are you? I'm wonderful, ladies. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. We've been wanting you for a long time, so we're glad you're here. I am, too. Okay. Well, Ian, I want you to know that the VRO is a fan-based show and that most of our questions were submitted by fans for you. I can't tell you how surprised I was when I started reading the questions, and most of them were foundation-based. This really warmed my heart. That's awesome. It is. I mean, a lot of fans, because we've been taking questions throughout the month just in case you were able to come on, and and most of them have been foundation-based. So. First of all, I know that you are very hands-on with ISF and that you take everything to heart. What would you say is your greatest goal heading into the first year of the foundation? Wow. Um, you know, really simple, uh, very simple. Um, the first year of the foundation, obviously, <laughs> setting these types of things up um, is uh, a very, very interesting process. It takes a while, and it's um, it takes a really awesome team of people to do. And those people have all done exceptional jobs. I think truly our our main goal right now is focusing on deforestation. Um, you know, almost like a, a studio has a movie slate. I think that ISF for 2011-2012 are really focusing on and hammering out some massive deforestation issues um, because, you know, Cutting down our rainforests and burning all of this land um, is such a gigantic problem. It's contributing more to carbon emissions than almost anything. Um, you know, put it this way. One acre, if you burn one acre, one acre of burning um, forest will produce more carbon into the air than 4,000 cars per second. That's so crazy. That is a massive problem. And by virtue of the fact that we're cutting all of our trees, uh, we're basically cutting the lungs out of, uh, out, out of our planet. Because I think another big issue, uh, actually another big goal of the foundation this first year, is to start implementing and start not even teaching, just sharing the thought. And, and the understanding that we as a modern people have gotten away from the connection between us and our planet. We totally, 100% view ourselves as individuals as a complete separate entity from our environment, where if we actually rethought that for one moment and realized that it's a total symbiotic process, that we are all one biological process, and that if you look at the human if you, if you look at the human lungs for instance there is no difference between the human lung and a tree if you look at the amazon river system it looks identical to the cardiovascular system of a human being 
the rivers are our, are our cardiovascular systems. The trees are our lungs. And if we pollute our waterways and we cut all of our trees out, we're effectively shutting down the organs in which make us live. And by taking away all of this nature, and we, we, we're missing a big, big component here, that we, there is no separation that we're all one biological process. And if we can figure out how to stop cutting our, our rainforests and figure out how to get the resources still that we need from them, but do it sustainably, do it holistically. You know, um, it's a big thing right now. If you look at, um, I'm not, don't quote me on it because I need to look and we can fact check this. In Brazil, was it last week? Was it last night? Um, six people were gunned down. Um, that were big conservation uh, wood acti- um, forest activists, and the, the top guys that have been lobbying and trying to protect forests and forest land um, were were gunned down. There, no one wants to change, and I think that if we can just work on changing, on changing our philosophy, and changing the way we do things, then we have a fighting chance. If we don't change and money, purely money, gets in the way, then we really don't have a fighting chance. And it's not about doom and gloom. It's just a matter of generational shift. It's a matter of, of generational change. It's it's the 15-year-olds that will soon be 18-year-olds that have that 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 have a choice to vote. They will they will be they will be getting the strongest voice in the world. Um, and it's also the 15-year-olds that are going to start studying in school and realizing that all these trees that are being cut out, it's their world, and we're killing it. So those are, you know, major, major, major components of the first year of the foundation. Well, honestly, I mean, I think that part of part of our burden here as adults, me and you, for like my 15-year-old daughter who is sitting here with me is, it's just getting this out and getting, letting people learn. Because, honestly, a lot of these things, a lot of what you just said, I didn't know until I started working with ISF and I started researching these things. I had no idea how important these small things were. And if everybody learns a little bit more than they know now, then I think that's our burden of proof right there. That's what gets us to the next step and, and it's going to help us make everything change. I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, what's amazing, too, and that's just so mesmerizing to see is the amount of is the amount of information flying around there right now if you look at things like the ISF kids army you have these these very young people from 7 to 12 years old they're starting to grasp the fact that this isn't okay you know it's such an amazing thing to see and i think that it's very, very difficult to change the, the viewpoints of bureaucrats and, you know, uh, the people running the giant corporate entities that, that are pretty much creating and, and um, the, the people that are creating the, the problem, especially when you start talking about deforestation, it's the, it's the next generation. And that when you talk about generational change is when you actually start to really see movement when you actually really start seeing progress right yeah i can definitely see what you're saying and 
you know, people, obviously every great foundation, it has a great support system. And I know that Kim is the heart and soul of ISF. We all look to her for guidance. And how much harder do you think it would be for you if she wasn't there helping and guiding you along the way? If, if Kim Klingler wasn't the executive director of this foundation, it would not exist. Um, it actually wouldn't, it, it wouldn't exist without her, period. Um, she is <laughs> She is the heart and soul of it. Um, her and I, you know, I am mesmerized and so thankful every single day that I talk to her and she lays out what the days, you know, the week or the month's tasks are. And with her incredible, uncanny ability to organize, um, plan, and to see the relationships between merging non-profit entities with for-profit entities to completely accelerate the progress that we actually need. Because, again, it's very difficult to change, to make change when you're using the bureaucratic channels in which, you know, laws and governments have to typically abide by. Governments and, and corporations will continue on a path in which is, good for them until grassroots movements, until the public actually stands up and says this is not right. We strongly, strongly disbelieve or, or disagree with you. It's not right. It's not environmentally conscious. It's not fiscally conscious. It's just wrong. Then you start getting change. And that is what Kim has really taught me. And and I think is this this organization, I think, has the ability to be one of the most phenomenal organizations the world has ever seen, and it is led by Kim Klingler. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Kim, she just, she does. She just guides all of us because when I have a small, itty-bitty little suggestion that I have, whether it's a small thing or I have this big fundraising effort that I've come up with in my sleep the night before, it doesn't matter. She's more than willing to listen to every single email, she, every little comment. She answers every single thing, and and she helps me. She has taught me so much, and so I can only imagine what she's what she does for you and how having someone like that that's so involved and informed is you know is helping you and helping you to grow and, and make the foundation what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Listen to Sorry. that little guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, so I was just saying that that Kim, she, you know, she's she's helped all of us, and she's good at what she does, and and I'm thankful that you have her. You know, I'm thankful that we all have her, and honestly, none of us would have this opportunity to be working together if it wasn't for her. So, you know, there there are times there are times in which you realize. Some, you know, when you're surrounded by certain people, and you and I have hung out. I mean, I've hung out with you guys for two years. It yeah. is an amazing, amazing opportunity that we all have to share a common interest and 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 work together for really. I mean, to sound very, very cliche, the greater good. And and it's people like you guys. It's you who comes up with these ideas who spearhead these ideas and forums and 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 you get 
more people involved by virtue of your passion and compassion. And, you know, when there are times when I get off the phone sometimes with, with Kim, I didn't really, you know, I always understood what the term executive director meant, but not typically in a, in a non-profit situation. And it is just, it's unbelievable to me that there are people out there in the world like you guys, like Kim, who live and breathe these initiatives and actually see them through and make them happen. I think that we're all so lucky that we have this. And so I am I am so grateful to you and and I'm so grateful to Kim and I'm so grateful to every single person who's involved with this organization because like the word organization, there's nothing without its people. You know? It's very simple. Oh, I, yeah, I mean, and we're eternally grateful that you use your the platform that you have as a celebrity to, to help us have a voice. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if you didn't do what you did, then we wouldn't have the small voice that we have here. So it makes a difference. It does. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I just... It's 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 an incredible it's an incredible movement um that's happening, that's spreading and it's creating more ripples. And I think once these waves start washing up to shore, we're gonna start seeing some progress, you know. Um I you know, there's a there's a very famous line from uh a radiohead song from one of their early albums and it's the line is stop whispering, start shouting. And I think that that people have been whispering for too long, and I think that empowering the youth of this world, the most underappreciated, underrated, and underused group of people in the world is the youth. Um, so I think we start cultivating these ideas. We start cultivating the 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 compassion that's coming from everyone and we start figuring out in the most drastic yet intelligent way to move forward and to start seeing real change you know we we keep hearing especially being um americans we keep hearing this you know we, we in 08 that's all we heard change 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 is hard you know, change is hard, but when you start having a million or two million or ten million or fifty million or a hundred million people, simple things, start recycling more, turning off your lights, you all of a sudden start affecting in a mass scale. When you start educating children um, and start letting them understand the world around them, it's pretty right. amazing. It's it's pretty amazing. I mean, in this technological age, we we regress um into these in our te- into our technological world, um we are more disconnected from the earth than we've ever been in any other generation, and yet we call that progress. It's such an interesting that we are in the most pivotal time in history. 50 in within 50 years, 50% of all species on earth will be extinct. Now, you tell your lovely daughter 
that. Look her in the face and try and explain that to her. It's brutal, and it's not fair, and it's unnecessary. And she just made a horrific face when you said that. No, I know, but, I mean, this is the generation that could become generation extinction. It's all about what this generation is going to do. And it's an amazing, you know, instead of making it doom and gloom and making it a negative, I say we turn it around and we make it positive. Okay. Well, do you think in the future you could start a program that helps bring ISF into our schools in order to start teaching our youth from an early age what they can do to help in their communities? Maybe by partnering with our educators, we could teach teens by providing incentives for them to hold fundraisers at their schools. You know, that's an amazing concept. You know, you have to, it's a very tough thing um, to start flat out teaching. There are a lot of, and I hate to use the word, but there are a lot of educational and bureaucratic channels in which you'd have to go through to get to that. But to answer your question, absolutely. Um, absolutely. There that. The way you put it is that it's youth outreach. You start engaging students. Um, literally, you start engaging students. And I am about to, just for instance, in Louisiana, in my hometown, I'm about to buy a farm, uh, 190 acres, not big. Um, it's in a very beautiful, very delicate ecosystem on a bayou in southeast Louisiana. Now, my goal is, is to grow some crops, to grow some plants on that property that absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, can take the place of using trees. And what one way, if you talk about youth engagement and youth empowerment, is we will have some amazing contests throughout all the schools in the United States to whether it's an essay contest or a short film contest, anything, it can be anything, where you will get to come for a few days, a week, whatever it is, and actually work on this farm with me and, and some other very you know, well-recognized people whom most of us respect, all of us respect for the most part. And all of a sudden, you've now engaged millions upon millions upon millions of students and and empowered them to actually change in their community, to show that on American soil, not just in South Central America or in Africa, but on American soil, that we ourselves can start creating this shift and this change. And that is just the most powerful, the coolest thing, um, and I'm so grateful to have that opportunity and um, and so, absolutely, you know, talking to it's already happening. Actually, a lot of the a lot of initiatives initiatives in ISF are spreading around schools right now, like like you know, they're viral almost, and it's amazing. It's in empowering students to actually take stock in their community. That's the coolest thing. It really is. I mean, when you look at Twitter and you see all of these, every day there are so many new ISF so-and-so, ISF so-and-so, and it's all these people that just want to be involved and, and have their say and do their little part. And 
I mean, it's just amazing to me that every day there's still so many more people that still want to get involved. I agree. It, it, it is such a powerful thing to see. It's it's such a powerful thing to be a part of. And I think that we all, you know, have each other to thank. And we all have each other to look at and lean on and plan with to to march into the future in the most intelligent and green way. So, I mean, we have the ability. We have the choice right now. Brandon, you have the choice right now. We can actually make massive shifts to start to slow climate change. We can. There's no two ways about about it. There is more scientific data than you can shake a stick at that allows, that says this can happen. But there are a lot of people who, even with this scientific data, because of their corporate interests, because of their, you know, political party, whatever it is, and I'm not just talking about the United States, I'm talking about every country in the world, denies, denies, denies. No one wants to be the fool. You know, there's another aspect of this whole green world that we're coming into where people are going to try and profit, um, wrongly profit. And, and you know, in any, 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 in any pivotal part in, um, any pivotal moment in time in history, you know, you have people that are going to want to take advantage of the system. Um, and we just have to steer clear of that, you know, and, and, and really help people to understand that right now is the time we can make these changes if we all do it together. This is this is no longer, you know, um, a, a race for, say, humanity to end, a, end wars. We are now looking at food shortages, water shortages, climate change that we can't even we can't even fathom the repercussions of. Um, our oceans acidifying. Coral reefs dying out, biodiversity loss that we can't even fathom yet, but it's happening. It's happening right now. Yeah, all the recent tornadoes. I mean, you can't tell me that's not part of something bigger. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Listen, you know, you know, I'm from the Gulf Coast of Louisiana, and my and by the way, in our hearts, and and our, our our hearts, our minds, and our support go out to those people. I mean, those people are devastated. You know? Oh, yeah, there's no other word other than devastated at this point. I mean, what else can you even say other than, oh, my God, what can we do to help them at this point? Exactly. And, you know, don't forget that I'm from the Gulf Coast of Louisiana, and I watched Katrina happen. And, you know, unfortunately... um, Unfortunately, these things are only getting worse. And and with you know people keep saying global warming, global warming, global warming. I wish we could just get rid of that notion. It's not global warming. It's climate change. Climate change is a completely different word. You know there are places that there are places in the hemispheres that are warming, and there are places that are actually getting colder. We're we're experiencing record cold, record lows and record highs. That's not just global warming. That's that's climate change. That's global. So, you know, we, again, we just have to restructure how we think in a grand way. 
and we can do it. We can do it. Oh, we definitely can, definitely. And my next question for you is, this is kind of a personal one for me, and I, my personal goal for ISF from the beginning that I've kind of been thinking of is I would, it would be to establish a local no-kill shelter in every state that ISF supports. Therefore, bringing awareness and hopefully encouraging everyone that wants to help ISF to want to volunteer regularly at a shelter as an ISF project. I was wondering what you thought about that. You know, I just feel like I know that you have your home state shelter that you that you go to, but you know, a lot of times people email me and they say, "Hey, does Ian have a shelter in Georgia that he that he prefers?" And if we could find one in every state, and that's where we send people, and that's who we help, and that's where we volunteer, I think it would make a difference. Oh, it would make a huge difference. It would make a huge difference. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I support that notion 100%. Um, in order to fix the problem, actually, right now what I'm working on is is completely taking away the need for shelters, period, um, which is finishing the research, creating a sort of co-production deal, if you will, between governmental bodies and corporate world and finding the absolute perfect recipes for species-specific sterilization drugs for domestic dogs and cats. The drugs exist. They're just not species-specific yet. So I agree that we need to have shelters in every state where we can, where we can support um, and get people there working. Um, I agree with you, 100. percent And and let's we'll talk about that and and make that happen. But on a larger scale, just to let you know what's in the works with ISF, is completely getting rid of the notion and the use of shelters globally by virtue of getting these drugs, having them sponsored by corporate entities, governmental bodies, localizing community groups to go out into stray populations and administer these these drugs. Also, too, a lot of people can't actually afford the sterilization process of spay and neuter their animals. They just can't. So why don't we just give them a pill? It's not going to harm the animal. It's just going to allow them to never have to, never be able to procreate. And eventually, I would say, being really aggressive, I think there's probably another three years left in the research, but once getting it approved, I say be really aggressive and say let's end the need for shelters globally in, in, in 10 years. If we could even see a 75% decline in stray animal populations globally in the next 10 to 20 years, I would rather 10. Obviously, we'd rather it tomorrow. Then I think right. we, are, and we are in major, 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 in a, in, a, in a very good place. Trust me, these people that run these animal shelters, they would give anything to have to find another job. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and that's an, that would be an awesome concept. I mean, if we could eliminate shelter, the need for shelters, then that would probably make my life goals feel like they were met, honestly. So, I mean, that would be well, awesome. Well, that's what, that's what we're going to do. Well, that sounds good. All right. Well, I know that ISF receives ideas on a daily basis for projects and fundraisers. How hard is it to decide what projects to take on and how does that happen? Well, right now, we're we're kind of in the we're we're kind of in the beginning stages simply because of the fact that the organization is so young 
Right. Kim will come to me, and she will have eight million plans laid out, and she will <laughs> lay them out in the in the easiest, most concise, and amazing way. And we go over because she she is able to do she's able to do to look at the information and based on her expertise gauge what is going to be the most effective cost efficient labor intensive and what is the best way to structure deals that will allow these initiatives and these projects to work you know, as a group with the rest of the initiatives of the foundation. So, I mean, picking and choosing which ones that will work, I mean, look, how they all work in some way, shape, or form. But right now, because, you know, there are only so many people um, to to really, really create a very cohesive way of of executing an idea. So right now, I mean, I think it's just in the, we're in such the beginning stages. We're just trying to structure. Um, we're just putting together the teams of people that actually will be able to then come to Kim. I don't even know how she does it. I mean, you see her schedule. I just don't understand. There's so many <laughs> ideas, emails, and phone calls that she's fielding on a regular, on a daily basis that there are so many ideas, um, and that's what makes it so awesome is that everyone has an idea, and some of them work better than others, but once you start putting the ones that really work together, it creates this synergy, this this progress, that hopefully I think we can see more with, again, my goal for ISF, but it's not to be better than anyone, it's to, it's to incorporate and to empower every other organization and every other individual that that it comes in contact with to do more, to do it better, to do it faster, to do it more efficiently, and simply just to do it. Well, that definitely, it makes sense to me. And, you know, I had, like I said, one of those, that question was submitted by the fans, and they're all just so curious. They all want to help, and they all want to do what they can, so... You know, I'm constantly telling them just be patient. We're just in the first year, and and all uh, these things, and everybody will have a place eventually. Absolutely, absolutely, and I love everyone for this. I mean, it's it's this is you know life is life is an interesting thing. I mean, you have to find beauty in it around every corner because life in our society as a human being, and life in the wild. It's difficult. It's tough. But the thing that we have as human is, is human being, and the things that animals have as, as packs, as pods, as prides, flocks, they have each other. And we protect each other. We feed each other. We help each other. We grow from each other. And with each other, we can come up with solutions to the problems that are facing us right now. And that is exactly what ISF is about. 
Okay, if you could ask any one person for their advice, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. You know, that's a strange, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, the hard questions come from Brianna. <laughs> Ha ha ha! It, it's it's a it's a great question. Um, you know, I would. There are a couple guys I would want to talk to. You know, if I had to choose one, I would I would I'd probably talk to Gandhi. You know. Um, he had such a profound way, such an amazing understanding of the world. And then he would probably refer me to the philosophies of every other person that I needed to talk to. <laughs> there you go. Let him tell you everything and all right. the ones you, that he looks up to and that kind of, you can build on it. Exactly. A lot of fans said you were the highlight of the Icon Convention and that they loved meeting you. I was very impressed by the fact that you donated all your proceeds from appearing that day to ISF and that the Foundation made so much that day. It must feel awesome to know your fans love you that much and want to purchase autographs and pics for a great cause. You know, that day in and of itself was so unbelievably powerful uh, by virtue of the fact that, yeah, you're right, everyone was so passionate and compassionate and willing to help in whatever sense they could, whether it was with a smile, whether it was a monetary component. Um, but above and beyond, everyone was there to help and to be a part of that. And what an amazing feeling that was. I mean, it was so intense, so beautiful, um, just really, really, really thankful that, that that's the way that that day went. Um, it was just incredible. Yeah, it definitely was. And I know that you just made an awesome trip to Africa. Can you tell us a few things you learned and how that will help shape ISF and its goals in the near future and maybe throw in a little tidbit about this beautiful elephant that we hear so much about right now? Oh, Dajiwe. Um, yeah, you know, going to Africa was an amazing, eye-opening experience. I'm actually having trouble um, even re sort of recalibrating into life because what we saw there, you know, I met a scientist, an amazing man who has been a scientist for 50 years, whom actually has figured out a way through holistic land management to actually slow and quite arguably start to reverse climate change. And so being there and seeing that and being a part of it was profound. I mean profound. And now having seen that and understand what we're up against, um, how through very strange science, universities and the government and, and farmers, people have come up with just the most backwards information 
And it's not that they're they're wrong or they're malicious or that there's, you know, ill intent. It's just the science is lacking. And I saw this and I thought, wow, all we have to do is just show this to people. It's about changing <clears throat> the way we think. That's all it is. So, and then what was really cool was sitting around the fire. Everything you, everything you do, um, you have to cook on a small campfire, um, because you have to. There's no electricity. There's no nothing. And uh, and in the morning we would have breakfast. And the elephant that they saved, this orphaned elephant named Dajiwe, would come and have breakfast with us. It, it was the coolest thing ever. I can't imagine. I'm, I'm a we're we're animal lovers here. I mean, you heard our dog barking. So I mean, anything we can take in and nurture and whatever. I, I Brandon said earlier when I was telling her about the elephant. She said, "Oh, Mama, if it was just a baby, what if we could have just brought it home with us?" I said, "Well, you know, you can't do that. But it's just the thought of how sweet they are and what can you do to take care of them. And you know, I just can't imagine. <laughs> it was really amazing, and you know. But G-Way, I want to help her because it is expensive um, to keep her. There's someone with her at all times taking care of her and training her and making sure that she, you know, it's so sad, her story, because her mother was killed um, and she's orphaned. So when Alan Savory and his team and uh, tried to, let her, you know, interact with, with other elephants in the wild, they reject her and they beat her up, really. They they, they beat the crap out of her, yeah. And so she's got to be protected. Um, she spends her night, just in the, her evenings uh, and the night, in a crawl that's been made out of wood to protect her from the lions. And there are two people that are camped out there with her um, that protect her. And... Uh, it was just Africa is such a mind boggling such a mind blowing place of beauty. But now that I see what's really there, that the destruction that Africa and giant swaths of America and South and Central America are turning into desert because of lack of understanding of holistic land management. And so um it's a really, really powerful thing to see. It was eye-opening and inspiring and heartbreaking at the same time, but but there's a chance. There's a big chance to change it, to, to turn it around and to implement and use this science and this understanding. And I aim to do it. I aim to show people that it works, and, and I am not going to stop <clears throat> Excuse me, until I do. Well, I'm glad you got to go and see that beautiful area and and learn from it i mean we can never learn enough so every little bit helps and i can't wait to see what we do in the future with it so yeah no it's going to be great it's going to be great um with with every goal in life brings challenges what would you say to someone that feels they don't have a voice in this world but wants to make a difference to encourage them well that's a great 
idea. I mean, that's a great question because that's what we're trying to do. That is exactly what we're trying to do. Um, we're trying to give people that place of empowerment. We're trying to give people that voice. So I would say join ISF. <laughs> Good answer. It's, it, it's literally that simple. Um because that's that's the way that's the way I, I promise you that's that's such a a foolproof way a foolproof way to um, to access that voice and to and to cultivate that voice. I can personally already see ISF contributing so much with the sled dog petition and the fact that Tony the Tiger is now going to be freed. I know that so many people helped you with this project, and that is why I think ISF will continue to flourish. I thought I'd give you a second to give the countless ISF volunteers from all over the world a shout-out. Ah, you know, you're right. And so much energy that went into things like that, and changing legislation in British Columbia with the sled dogs, and just amazing things are happening all because of you guys, and I thank you. ISF thanks you, and ultimately, the world thanks you. So thank you guys so much for doing this, and I, I just I, I can't express to you enough that if we can just build on this and build up and the most positive army of people who are tired of seeing this destruction, this senseless unnecessary destruction of our planet, therefore the senseless and unnecessary destruction of us. We can change it if we do it together. So the more that we build and the more people that that have a voice, I guarantee you we will see change much faster than anyone can imagine. Okay, let's talk fun. A little birdie told me that we, there's going to be a big ISF event and that you're going to attend and all the ISF volunteers and that we can look forward to it. We don't want to give too much away, but what can you tell us? Um, you know, it's going to be fun. I, Kim and I are very, very adamant about making any kind of event for this organization about fun because... I've been to enough events for amazing organizations that I love, um, and they're inspiring. They're absolutely inspiring. But the ones that really, really hit home with you, that really inspire you, and really you walk away from it, having had so much fun and met so many great people, is to make an event a party. It is a celebration I mean, obviously, there are a lot of problems at hand, but but parties are fun. That's right. Parties, and parties are memorable. Parties are, yes, exactly. They're not only memorable, but they're effective. Having fun at a party while still being able to be in a room of people, like-minded people, who are trying to do the same thing as you are and have a blast doing it, ah, there's nothing better. 
There's nothing better, and that's what we want to do. Okay, and I know we have to have one Damon question from all your fans. Coming into Season 3 of TVD, now that Stefan has gone off with Klaus and we know that the writers are calling the season the season of the originals, what are your thoughts on how Damon will handle all the changes in Mystic Falls, and do you think it will draw Damon and Elena closer? Um, you know, I think that there are... there. I think that the, the, the originals coming back are going to pose a lot of problems for Mr. Damon and and for Mr. Stefan. So I'm thinking that will it bring Damon and Elena closer? Very well may, um, simply because of the fact that, you know, it, she is his priority. I mean, he wants to protect his brother, which is important, very important. And he also wants to protect her. And I think that he's going to do whatever he can to do that on both levels. He's going to do he's going to do everything he can to do that for her and for him. So, and I think the originals are going to teach him a lot. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's always a problem. You know, I think when we, when we met Damon in season one, he thought he was the biggest, baddest dude around, and then he was humbled by the fact that. That's not the case, and that he does have to work for it, and that, you know, it's not just as easy as pie, and he doesn't get to say whatever he wants, and, and, it, and it's the way it goes. So I think that I think that, Damon, that Damon's going to be faced with some serious problems, and he's going to have to, he's going to, have to buck up and, and, uh, and, and be a man. Well, I'm ready to see it. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, so... Uh, me you know. too. <laughs> okay, um, I have one more fun question for you. This one was actually submitted by my husband. From being on the set of the Vampire Diaries a lot, we know you're an avid Rolling Stones fan. What is any, if any, is your favorite New Age rock band, and what is the last played on your iPod? Um, you talked about Radiohead earlier, so maybe that's it. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I mean, as much as I absolutely love Radiohead, and they're literally one of my, just my, the most, I think the best, one of the best bands walking the face of the planet, um, there are, wow, there are so many um, new uh, young bands right now. Um, you know, there's, uh, let's see, man, I mean, there's a, there's a zillion of them. Um, <laughs> I I I don't even know. There's too many. I mean, I, I I listen to music all day long. There are bands out there that are doing amazing things. I mean, one of my good friends is, is a guy named Connor Oberst, who's the lead singer for Bright Eyes. Those guys, I think, are amazing. Um, there are bands like. Oh my gosh, man! There's just so many. I can't. I can't say just what's my favorite right now. I'm just not in that space. Um, okay. I mean, there are bands like, you know, Deer Hunter and the Fleet Foxes and Gangs and unfortunately, Gil Scott Heron just died. Um, Grizzly Bear is a great band. Um, there are bands 
small, really small, awesome bands, like this one called The Local Natives that I love. Um, the National is probably going to be coming out with a new album. I love The National. I know Neon Indian just came out with another album. I love Neon Indian. Um, I mean, there's just, there's so many. I, there's just so many. Um, yeah. I know he was curious because um, we actually, way back in the very, very beginning when we were just working as extras before we, I guess, had a relationship with you, I could remember you singing Mustang Sally on the set instead of doing your lines like you were supposed to. So, you know, it's just been a running joke. We were just curious. I sing all day long on set. Um, <laughs> and I get so angry with myself sometimes because I can remember every song from recorded from 1947 until now, and sometimes I will can't remember my line. Because yeah. <laughs> music has uh, a melody to it. It's easier to remember. I don't care what anybody says. It just does. Yeah, Brian exactly. said she can't remember her schoolwork, but she can remember lyrics. So. I know, it's so funny. That's our last question, Ian. The only thing I have left for you to ask is if you could just do a sound clip for us. Just something simple, um... This is Ian, and you're listening to the VRO. That's all. And then then we're done with you for the evening so you can pack and have a good trip. You guys are so awesome. God, I love you both. Um, All right, so, ready? Yep. Hey, guys, this is Ian Summerhalder, and you are listening to the VRO. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, babe. Thank you so much. Have a good trip. Thank you, sweetheart. Good night, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Night. Mm-hmm. Good night, sweetness. Bye. Also, for anyone who wants to volunteer their time for the Ian Summerholder Foundation, you can do so by emailing ISF at getinvolvedisfoundation.com. Please make sure to include your field of expertise and a little about yourself along with contact information, too. Lastly, I would like to stress for Ian that we know so many of you have emailed ISF and offered your services. Not only do we appreciate that, but because there are so many of you, we cannot answer every single email. So as we need need you, based on your greatest talents that you told us about in your email, we will contact you. Maybe it will be tomorrow and maybe it will be next year, but never fear. We read every single email and we appreciate you and your time. Thanks again, Ian, for joining us on the VRO. I hope you have an awesome summer and take time to rest as well. For everyone else that's still on the line, I want to let you know that the website for the Ian Summerholder Foundation is www.isfoundation.com. The Facebook is www.facebook.com backslash isfoundation. The ISF Twitter is at is underscore foundation. And in case anyone wants to follow your personal Twitter, Ian, um, then we'll, Ian's personal Twitter, then you can follow it at Ian Summerholder. And of course, you all know if you follow him now that he tweets a lot and he keeps us in, in he interacts with us and lets us know what's going on. So make sure that you follow all, all the Twitters and, and you get involved because they definitely want to hear from you and so do we. So thanks again, Ian, and good night.